Uh, welcome to Not Another Whiskey podcast. It's Daz here once again. I am left to my own devices. Uh, Mitch, who I host this uh, podcast with, is, is up in Speyside running around uh, Glenn Finnick and Balveni today, I think, with some of his American friends. So uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Ian and Paddy, uh, who are a more reliable double act, <laughs> it would <Yeah>. seem, <laughs> uh, from the Port Elise Distillery, which is a, a really, really exciting project, right? Bringing distilling back to Leith, uh, back to an area where I actually used to live, an area I'm very, very fond of. Um, how are you guys doing today? What's happening? Morning, Daz. Yeah, we're doing really well. We're really well. Uh, the office heating has finally been put on. Uh, there was a staff rebellion, and we've been forced to turn the radiators on. So, yeah. um, there, there, there's, there's there's kind of so much going on that sometimes we forget to turn the heating on. But generally speaking, yeah, it's all under control. That's yeah, a, yeah. Sign. Don't, don't yeah. do it. You might be out of business by the end of the month, man. Don't do that. <laughs> well, don't remind me. I have to remind the staff that companies do not get cap energy bills and this is a really expensive way of keeping <laughs> yeah how, how do you guys know each other what's the kind of how did you guys get together and, and end up on this mad project sure so i mean we're, we're kind of lifelong friends paddy and i uh, we met he was five i was four um you know we were probably in a playground um and we, we've just known each other forever and yeah uh, it was, this came together really in our 20s because after university we both somehow both ended up in London together sharing a flat um, where Paddy would never turn the heating on actually some things never change um, <laughs> and yeah, and you're welcome yeah thank you we we'll survived yeah and it was kind of during that time I, I'd gone into the wine industry and Paddy had become a, an accountant um, and you know you're, you're kind of in your 20s working too hard and not being paid enough um, so we'd sort of go to the supermarket, get whatever was on discount in terms of whiskey from Sainsbury's or whatever, and, and sort of sit there on the sofa chatting about it and checking that whiskey. And then we started going to tastings, and then things got a bit out of hand, and we, we started sort of getting interested in making whiskey, and we, we, we sort of started experimenting with elements of whiskey production. And that's where just the whole thing of, I suppose, that so many whiskey fans out there have had, of, wouldn't it be so cool if we, we, we could build a distillery and make our own whiskey? And, it, and it, it really began from there. And I, I think when we've been experimenting, like playing with whiskey production, we discovered so much about it. And we, we discovered that there's this, this big bit in it, you know, fermentation um, and, you know, yeast. And, and we discovered there was quite an opportunity there to, to yeah. do some interesting things with whiskey production. So we're thinking, you know, if we can make our own whiskey, do something really interesting with that. And then the other piece was having come from Edinburgh and being stuck in London, um, we, we obviously wanted to go back home to Edinburgh. And we were thinking, well, at the time, there wasn't a whiskey distillery in our home city. So it was those two things, build a whiskey distillery in our home city and do something really interesting with the fermentation part of whiskey production. Um, that was the kind of genesis of this idea. And so began the longest kind of journey yeah. in the history of time. So, I, yeah, I think, you know, on the, on the, in parallel to all of that, I was working for these technology startups in London that were raising tens of millions of pounds uh, and burning that kind of cash really quickly. And I was sort of thrust into the finance team of these, these businesses watching modestly, you know, useless, incompetent bosses burn through money without really thinking too hard about it. And I, and I remember saying to Ina, doesn't it be that difficult to find some money and deploy it and 
we can do it better than these guys. And right? not, and not burn a, it, and not, not yeah, waste yeah. it, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a better... It's amazing, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a better business model here. You know, I, I was working at um, WeWork, which you know famously burned through billions and billions of dollars of, of capital for a, a ticketing startup that got through thirty million dollars. And I just kept thinking, I was looking at you know the, the chief executives of those companies, thinking you're not focusing on what you should be doing in these in, inside here. And if you did, you wouldn't be fired after a few years of ignominious you know cash burn. So that kind of was really helpful to us in in the just that genesis of being say, I think we can do this. You know, yeah. entrepreneurs aren't superhumans. They're just normal people. And as a result, I think, you know, we've got a business model here that is the the, the issue, of course, with, with whiskey is that because you can't sell it for several years, you're stuck behind a horrific cash flow problem where all your money is spent up front on your building, your equipment, and then waiting. Uh, yeah. and, and and so you build- and it doesn't It doesn't get cheaper, right? <laughs> it snowballs because then you need staff you, you then need you know more yeah. materials then you need storage and it, and it gets more expensive actually rather than yeah. Just, yeah. yeah and and so you know we we were you know looking around for for ideas and having been through an awful lot of distillery tours uh, and looking at edinburgh specifically you're going well there's no distillery in edinburgh you've got something about 45 minutes south and something about 45 minutes north and in this in the city center you've got the scotch whiskey experience that pulls in hundreds of thousands of visitors. Mm. And we're like, well, the, at least a portion of those people will want to go and see a real distillery in Edinburgh and not have a car to drive out to, you know, to the countryside. So that's a cash flow that you can use up front to, to help balance the books until you've got some product to sell. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And visitors are massive. I mean, there's, the, I remember I, I used to run some of the brand homes over at some of the other companies, White Mackay and, and places like Edrington and stuff. And the numbers every year, of visitors were going up um, and the spend was going up even more than the, mm. the volume you know people were spending a lot more and there's such an opportunity there isn't there and like you say edinburgh what's it 2.5 million tourists a year just for the festival something crazy yeah, like that yeah. for a place that only seven hundred thousand people live is mad yeah five five million across the year uh, and quite evenly balanced i mean obviously there's a spike in august but for the rest of the year there's hogmanay that, that pull people in and then there's just a fantastic um, stat that says almost everyone who comes to Edinburgh doesn't come with a car; they come by public transport, which means that they, yeah, you know, to get, that. you know, and you know, we've got a, uh, you know, expensive but ultimately will be completed soon tram system that brings people down to Leith that just creates that much easier route to get people down to see us. And so, you know, the 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 opportunity to build it in Leith was, was for us was just completely glaringly obvious. We wanted to be in the middle of a busy urban area with lots of people where you know you can you can you know take a little bit of coolness from the from the, the neighborhood you're in i, I think yeah you know, that, yeah that, i love that. that that visitor thing and that business model was so key because obviously you know paddy had developed a great expertise in how to run a company like he'd seen it happen and i on the other hand had learned how to create brands and how to sell booze like uh around the world i was exporting wine to southeast asia i was selling loads of uh wine into Marks and Spencer's in the UK. So we had those skills, but obviously we, we'd never run a whiskey com company before. We'd never built a whiskey brand. And so when you want to go out and raise a million pounds of investment, you know, it's it's a hard sell to people out there that, you know, we've never done this before, but hey, we can do it. But having that strong business case on the tourism element definitely was a, was a strong sort of 
ace up our sleeves so that you know people could say particularly when we found the site for our whiskey distillery in Leaf, and it was just 20 meters away from the, the royal york britannia that, that attracts you know um in a, well back in 20, 2019 was almost four hundred thousand visitors in, in that year we knew that invest, investors would look at this business plan and they'd say well i don't know about these two idiots and whether or not they can make whiskey but i think that site will make money you know whatever happens um mm -hmm. and so that that was what able that was the vehicle that sort of could get us through but you know we, with what was really driving us in the background was all about whiskey and, and what we could do um, with, with Scotch whiskey. Because I think as two big fans of, of whiskey, you know, back in the sort of late noughties and, and going into the tens as well, we, we were looking at, you know, the whiskey world and so much exciting stuff was happening, but it felt like most of the excitement was happening outside of Scotland. Like when you yeah. looked at America, like in mm. New York, we went out to see Kings County uh, Distillery and, the, you know, there the were more distilleries. There are now more distilleries in New York State alone than there are in Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, you saw these amazing then, new distilleries emerging in Southeast Asia, even in England. Um, but mm -hmm. at the time, there wasn't yet that, that sort of new wave mm -hmm. emerging in Scotland. And so we wanted to be part of that, of, of creating a sort of a, a, a new uh, breed of Scotch whiskey distillery up here with a new approach to, to whiskey. And now, of course, there are many others who, who followed that path. And it's a, it's a very exciting time to, you know, in Scotland as well. But it, it wasn't there yet, I think, in, in the sort of 2010s and, and, and late noughties. So. You're, you're, you're four years old. You meet in a playground somewhere. And now here you are. And you're, you're well down the tracks in terms of, you know, having your own scotch distillery and uh, what's the update at port Elith? uh where, where are you guys at on on the journey so we we um we broke ground in december 2019 uh and so we managed to get four months of construction under our belt before the site was closed uh and by, was, COVID. by covid yeah mm. um, and there was a sort of general panic in the air and so we were, we were shut down for about seven eight months and then since then the the, the program was was dragged out by just lack of materials, getting hold of construction materials, getting hold of, of, of workers, of, of bricklayers, of you know, specialists, because the site that we're on, there's a lot of very specialist trades that are needed, you know, steel workers. You know, these guys are up on the on you know nine stories up in 40 mile an hour winds, you know, trying to bolt, you know, two ton bits of steel together. This is a difficult Yeah, it's, it's not it's not uh, it's not you and uh, Ian just whacking up a couple of shelves, does it? It's, it's not <laughs> some quite the same. Yeah. And, and you know there you know I'm sure you're good at easier. it. <laughs> <laughs> My shelves are very level. I've got very bad vertigo. I wouldn't have done well up there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we could have built a tin shed in the field that we've done in six months. Yeah. And I think, but the crucial thing was we wanted to be in Leith and therefore it made the whole project that much more complicated. But the end result is is, is worth it. So yeah. the opening date now for uh, making whiskey is going to be sometime around March uh, 2023. And we hope to be open for visitors by Easter. Yeah. Um, don't hold me to those, those dates because everything slips in, at yeah. the current rate. But, you know, there, there's there's less that can go wrong now than there was yesterday and even less by tomorrow and so on. So. Yeah, it's, it, it has been a very, like, protracted construction period. But then, of course, you know, we are building a building that no one's ever built before. I mean, that, there is another vertical distillery in the world, there's McMira, but that's purely a production facility. Ours has a, is a production facility with then the, the, the sort of visitor uh, floors above. Um, and, and not only that, but we're building on reclaimed land right next to a harbour wall. 
Um, it's uh, an ed just an incredible engineering challenge, um, and it's been an incredibly challenging building to build. Now, also, we've got a postage start size site. Um, you know, it's um, so just from a practical perspective, getting the materials there, etc. So it's been one challenge after another. We've now developed a very niche expertise in how to build a, uh, a vertical distillery. Probably wouldn't do it again. Uh, <laughs> but, next time, building a tin shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> one big, yeah. big site, build yeah. it nice and horizontal. But um, but the net result is is looking absolutely amazing now. So um, it's it's particular. We were just on site on Monday, um, showing some people around, and you could see, you know, we, we've got all the pipework now coming in for all the, the the production materials. The top floors, the floors have been laid. You can you can begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. and it's going to be it's going to be amazing. That's uh, super cool. The last yeah, panes of glass will go in, yeah. and suddenly you won't be standing there with the wind kind of whistling through the, the skeleton. So there, there's there's definitely an acceleration of how it feels to be on site at the moment, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. It is, yeah, it's cool. I was chatting to the guys at Stoning Distillery over in Denmark recently, and um, we were having a, a fun conversation with those guys. And one of the things they said, which really sort of stuck out, uh, Lasse, he's the kind of engineer, one of the engineers that's behind it. He'd said that. If they'd had experience in whiskey, they they, they wouldn't be here today because everything they did was so different um, from four malting. All the bits and pieces they had to learn to do, they, they learned to do in Denmark without all the Scotch whiskey experience and all that sort of stuff. And listening to you guys, it sounds like it's quite similar, actually. Perhaps you, you would have said this is impossible had you not. Uh you know, had you come from a Scotch background, you you would never have even approached it in the way you've done it, right? It feels like that's what I'm hearing. I, I completely agree. I think it's really interesting. I was actually out of standing in, in the summer for a, they hosted a conference there and it was fascinating facility, you know. But again, you look at their still floor and there's 24 stills there and they're all tiny, direct fire, and they're just approaching things in a completely different way. And I think, you know, if you look at what we've tried to do with fermentation and yeast and so on, if you were to do this in, in the kind of standard, you know, here's a, a consultancy approach thing of everyone, you know, coming from the, a, a background in the industry, you probably wouldn't have done what we've done because no one wants to use the word yeast in their marketing materials because it's a slightly weird word. You know, if you say the word yeast, you might think infection, and that's not a place you want to really be putting in on a billboard. But, you know, we, we saw it from a, a different angle because... I think, you know, as Ian mentioned, when we were trying experimenting with the concepts of making whiskey in, a, in our garden, there we just couldn't find any information on that fermentation stage. You know, there's mm -hmm. no one explaining what to do. So we were just yeah. making it up and and it became that that was the genesis of, of saying, well, why does no one talk about this? Because there's so much interesting things to talk about. And, and that led into the research program that we did with Harriet Watt, where we kind of very handily you know, spend a lot of, of, of time and energy and, and money on this research program of all these different yeasts. And we came up with the idea that actually, oh, you can see you nosing it right there. I'm actually yeah, nosing yeah. Your, your Belgian ale yeast, um, yeah. which was the 72-hour fermentation. And it's fabulous. It's really brilliant. I mean, I love the yellow fruits that you get from it. There's tons of honey in there as well. So it's really promising all of that lovely sweetness. I, I like from, um, one of my favorite beers is a triple caramelite. Um, mm. which is that kind of really sweet honeyed uh, Belgian beer. Quite strong, though, and, and you get a lot of those notes off of that. It's delicious. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, as you say, you know, we, we came to this as, as industry outsiders, and definitely we've been powered by naivety, um, without a doubt. Um, but it's interesting is that, like, 
as you took these very naive questions going, you know, this yeast thing, everyone seems to be using distillers yeast. Is there opportunities to find flavors of other things? And you, you go to people in the industry and actually they go, yeah, you're onto something. There's definitely an opportunity here. Um, and, it, you know, it, it was almost just daring to ask very simple questions to some extent. Mm -hmm. And you realize that lots of people, and it must be said, as, as we began to immerse ourselves in the industry, we found so many people who were willing to share their experience and, and talk to us and, and, and sort of power us on and go, absolutely follow this, there's, there's way forward. I mean, I remember, you know, our first meeting with uh, with Annie Hill at Harriet Watt, for example, where, you know, we really didn't know what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> Um, but but that kernel of what we gathered from 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 our activities in the garden, she said there is something here, and we can help you you explore it further. And then we spoke to people who who'd been running whiskey companies um, uh, forever long and said, you know, do this, do this. Yes, you can do it. So yeah. uh, it's it's naivety, but but <clears throat> also powered by encouragement from those already in the industry that sort of drove us forward. Mm, um, yeah, and yeah, the 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 results have been with the research program that we undertook. You know, we didn't go out there and say, oh, we're going to find this yeast and it's going to do this to our whiskey. We, we went out there with a completely open mind and to be sort of results led and just see what we could discover. So we, we went out there and, and um, you, you know, on the sort of uh, paper led research part, identified 24 different yeasts that we, th we thought had potential. And we looked at the brewing sectors, we looked at uh, wine and, and uh, you know, sake, rum. Um, and we trialed all of these. And I remember, you know, the first time that our research associate, Vicky, um, who did incredible work running the research, and, and she let us sort of analyze the, the first spirits that she'd taken. And we were just blown away. We we're like, wow, the just the sheer diversity, you know, yeah. using the same grain, the same stills, the same fermentation with just the yeast interchanged the incredible diversity of aromas and, and flavors you were what, getting. What, what kind of surprised you? Was there any sort of standouts that you, you thought, wow we were not expecting that you know well i i, I think for me i mean when you when you look at fermentation in the whole sort of whiskey production process fermentation is where you're you're seeking to get those sort of primary fruit characteristics more than anything else it's where if you're going to get like crisp apple or fresh peach or or the, those sort of elements is going to come from the fermentation the secondary things like you know your your vanilla your 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 toffee that's probably coming more from the cask and maturation um, so we knew we were probably looking for that, that sort of, those sort of primary food characteristics. Um, but then, you know, when, when you when when you take that Belgian ale uh, ale strain, I think you know you're getting those uh, uh, typical sort of cereal notes that you, you you'd expect to get from um, from from a new make. I think you're getting lovely uh, sort of peach and honey notes in there as well, with with remarkable intensity. Then when you take that other spirit that we made with Voss Creek. I think yeah. the contrast is just a world away. And I think it was that one more than anything else that that, that blew me away. Just with yeah. its, its sort of just dried raisins, dried fruits, um, and incredible intensity in the, those aromas. The, the contrast, yeah, uh, of all of them, we all yeah. turned in on that one. It was fascinating. Ian and I disagree on almost everything. But on the blind taste test, where we were going around the table, you know, and we had we were whittling it down from 24 strains to get down to say, we're going to do two. We yeah. both chose the exact same one, Vosk as our favorite. And mm. I think some of the other teams as well did, but I don't care about the other teams, just us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it, it happens to be the most expensive yeast that was available. Yeah. Um, you fun. know, it is literally described as a Norwegian farmhouse ale yeast, the most hipster sounding yeast that is existing uh, in Europe right now.
like the, the complexity already in the new make is, is quite extraordinary um in my view but more than anything else for me i think it's the intensity of them that that that, that blew me away i mean the the, the belgian ale strain I, I think i could blind taste that and and think that it had spent some time in cask i think it, it already has an intensity that 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 seems to suggest some mm. some level of maturity which is quite exciting and then of course the challenge for us now you know moving forward is you know with all this work that we've done in in creating these spirits and and it's work that we're going by the way continue because the the research never stops um uh not only do we want to continue to trial further yeast strains but also see how you know uh, adjusting the way we ferment them and and and, and treat them uh, is also going to enhance the spirit but uh you know, with all that work that we do in the distillery on the still, uh, sorry, in the fermentation vats in the still, we then need to make sure that we're not going to overpower it in the future during the maturation process. So yeah. you know, a very judicious use of oak and a very careful wood plan um, so, so that all those elements, and this really, you know, is, is something that we're kind of borrowing from the wine world, the idea of balance and making sure that all those elements can exist in harmony and balance. And you can, you can eight years, 10 years from now, when you're sipping our whiskey and it's, and it's matured, um, you'll still get those those elements that came through in the ferment, um, as well as the notes that we have with the with the uh, with the maturation. So there's still still a lot to achieve uh, moving forward. Yeah, it's exciting to hear you guys talking so much about those early stages. We've been on chatting away for sort of twenty minutes or so, and you've talked about fermentation and yeast about six or seven times. It's brilliant to hear. Um, so often, <laughs> uh, certainly where I've come from in the past, we talk um, talked a lot about used to talk about McAllen. In 1998, um, they they created the kind of six pillars as they're, as they're known, which are the kind of foundations of their their brand, if you like. And they've changed a lot over the years. But there was a book actually that Charlie McLean wrote, and one of the six pillars was a cocktail of yeasts, a cocktail of brewer and distillers yeasts. Um, it was four different yeasts that would go into their uh, washbacks back then. It's not the case now, and and it's fascinating mm. how much fermentation has 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 been standardised across the industry. Um, which could lead, and, and you know, a, a point of view would be that there's been a homogenization of flavor because of you know 55 hour fermentation times, Kerry M, Kerry MX, you know, a lot of distilleries using that, a lot of distilleries using the same barleys as well. So that that's natural that, that would happen over time if everyone's sort of standardizing. You're going to see that kind of almost homogenization of flavor, and these new distilleries, which you're part of. Um, really zigzagging away from that you know and going that ah, we love this you're so curious you're so interested in those early stages and you're not bound by the consistency that some of the more modern established this uh, more more established not modern more established distillers have you know I, I think there's an interesting point around you know that you know if, if you're building a new business that's a tech startup and you've got a brand new product a new app or whatever it might be you've got a usp that is i'm trying to change this you know makes them brand new. If you're coming into an industry that's quite traditional and already in existence and, you know, the, everyone has an understanding and expectation of what the product is and there are quite strict rules around how you make that product, you know, yes, it's very, it's amazing for us to be able to say, we're going to make Scotch whiskey because that's a fantastic brand and you get access to that as long as you just play by the rules. Yeah. But how do you then differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself and also, why would you bother doing it if you're just going to make the same thing that someone else is already making? I, I, I don't really see the point in starting a brand new whiskey distillery and saying, I want to try and make exactly what McCallum are making right now. So let's just copy their, their, their model. Because you're just, I just don't see the point. And I think for us, 
that element of differentiation of saying, well, what is there that Scotch whiskey isn't doing that we could do that's new and interesting and will excite people about the category and bring them all to us? You know, we didn't start this because we didn't like Scotch. You know, we started this business because we love Scotch. But there are still little avenues that you can follow in the in in the process that are yeah. currently undeclared. And I think, you know, the biggest risk we've got is that having gone down this route with all these yeasts, we'll find that the alcohol yield from a ton of barley is lower than um, ideal. And we'll have a big argument where I'll be saying, this doesn't make any money. And you'll be saying, yes, but it tastes great. And I will say, yes, but it's not a problem. And then there'll be some kind of discussion in, in the middle there. I think, you know, I'll, I'll win it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, look forward to Portly Distillery Whiskey at 400 pounds a bottle because that's but, the only yeah. one that can be won. But it is yeah. interesting, you know, when you're, when you're trying to break, Paddy mentioned, you know, the, the, the horrendous barrier to entry to Scotch whiskey. And, you know, when you're starting out, you kind of go, oh, I wish we were like 20 years into this already. Mm. You know, we had loads of mature whiskey. And, you know, it's, it's amazing once you're, you're at that stage. But actually, the further we go into it, you just revel in your newness, actually, and all the opportunities that provides. Um, a completely blank slate and a complete opportunity to do things differently. Um, and I think we decided pretty quickly that we we're going to set aside the idea of efficiency um, and actually concentrate 100% on flavour. Uh, as I say, you know, prepare to be uh, results led and, and take a, you know, go where the research led us. Um, but the, the other aspect to that is, you know, the the more we've discovered, the more we've learned uh, how much there is to discover. Um, and on that, we we want to continue to be new, um, you know, uh, in perpetuity. So um, we're also going to set aside the, the idea of consistency. Um, so we intend to release our whiskey in the future in vintages. So each year, so for example, everything you know, next year will be our first year of production, 2023. Everything that we produce in that year will be matured for, at the moment we've seen somewhere between eight to 10 years and then released as a vintage. And then the full production of 2024 released as a vintage, you know, some point in the distance. Uh, and the idea is that each year we're trying to make a better and better whiskey. And that might mean, you know, maybe the first year we go in working with three yeasts. The next year we go in working with those three yeasts, but we'd learn how to handle them better. And we're, we're slightly adjusting our wood program. Maybe the next year we've discovered a new yeast that we love a lot. And so we swap out one of our yeasts and put that one in um, to, to enhance the, the, the single malt that we're there. And so you're on a never ending journey to make a better and better Scotch whiskey and see see, see where the, the, the journey leads you. Um, and I think that's fascinating, not just for us, but also, you know, for our consumers as well, can go back to us and see the way that port of leaf single malt will evolve year in, year out mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, there's there's some really, really great things about being new. I mean, you know, I say that we're still not over that horrendous cash flow crunch, but, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> assuming yeah. we get over that bit, um, it'll yeah. be lovely. Turn that heat off, Paddy. Get that heat off, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get like, you know, it's the kind of an issue of walking in the morning and finding an email from me and saying, Can you please send 300,000 euros to my friend Enrique for some casks? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Why not? Hey, That's my They're going to be, they're gonna be good casks. They're going to be good casks. They will be. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and so, yeah. so on that, you've, you've kind of you've alluded to the point there, releasing it in vintages. And I'm quite interested to, to know, you know, what, what to expect from Porter Leaf Distillery. What um what what are we talking inside the distillery in terms of like shapes of stills, uh, number of stills, kind of output roughly numbers, and then are you, like you talked about style uh, and flavor, is is there a is there going to be a house style as such, or is that something that will shift as well with time? Sure. Okay. So so 
uh, first of all, in terms of the the, the numbers, um, uh, we we hope to ramp up to four hundred thousand LPA per year. Um, so and that that will be operating on two shifts. So we've got a one point five ton mash ton in the distillery. We've got seven washbacks, each of them seven thousand liters, um, and then we our spirit still. Uh, which has just got a big old uh, wide neck um, because we want for pretty much everything to carry through from the from the spirit uh, distillation. So that'll be seven thousand liters, and then we've got a wash still. So sorry, a wash still. Excuse me. Yeah, wash still first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and, that's good. and then the spirit still is where we, we've uh, we've we've put in a, a longer neck, um, and uh, that's at five thousand liters. And so that's where we're we're looking to you know increase our copper interaction and, and create more delicate spirit ultimately for the final spirit. And I think, I mean, what's always captured me personally with 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 whiskey because you know I, I spent a decade in the wine industry and you know what, what we look for in, in great wines is complexity and length and I think you know you 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 train yourself in wine and you learn to identify all the different flavors with me with whiskey I was struck on just how they're there even a layman can pick up a whiskey and and pick up two three different flavors just like that and for me that's alchemy that one thing can taste of many different things mm. and i think scotch whiskey more than any other beverage in the world is is capable of just the most incredible complexity um and so if there's if there's a you know a, an overreaching goal it is that it's it's a it's a delicious complex spirit and I think in order to achieve that it must be a delicate spirit so we we're, we're, we won't be using um uh, Peter Malton in our distillery. It's going to be lowland in that in that uh, uh, way, I suppose. Um, and we're we will be seeking to have a gentle marriage of uh, as many different uh, characteristics as possible, pulling, as I say, those fresh characteristics from the from the ferment, um, those uh, additional uh, you know the secondary tertiary flavors from the from the maturation, and and creating what I hope will be one of the most complex, delicious whiskies available um, anywhere in the world. Um, and you know, it, even though we've got this focus on on maturate uh, on 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 fermentation, um, you know, we we have taken great care to focus on the other elements. So our grain, we found a single farm just outside Edinburgh that we're going to be getting all of our grain from. We wanted it to be as close as uh, to Edinburgh as possible, so we've got that provenance angle. But also working with a single source means that we can talk into what grain we're using, how it's grown, yeah. and over the years enhance that piece of the puzzle. And then over on the other side of maturation, again, we looked at that and, and, and discussed how can we enhance this element. And again, rather than using just um, any old casks from brokers or, or a cooperage, we decided to go out and find the best producers we could um, and, and work directly with them to use their barrels to, to, to mature our whiskey. So one of the very first things we did back in 2017, it was totally nuts, but we, we launched a sherry. Um, and yeah, again, which uh, I'm a big fan of. I, I, I've yeah. had a few bottles of it, the Oloroso, uh, very it. tasty stuff. Um, and you had a bottle of port out as well, um, a nice ruby, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Tony Port. Yeah. Absolutely. Was that a Tony? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we so we found an amazing producer, Bodegas Baron, small, incredibly old, but very modern focus, and then making just exquisite Oloroso. We, we're now actually shipping. What what was our favorite wine of theirs? The Manzanilla. Uh, we now have that in in stock as well. And it's just oh, cool. 
incredible. Uh, Paddy and I, 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 you know, it, it's it's partly about finding quality sort of, sort of source for, for casks, but also just celebrating sherry, which we love so much and plays such an incredibly important role in the whiskey industry. But we don't talk about the sherry very much. So so we mm. wanted to get that right in front of our customers. How much white was landed in Leaf, you know, back back in the day? All, all, all of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, whenever we talk about it with people, the, the immediate reaction is always, Oh yeah, that's my my auntie drinks that at Christmas or yeah. or something like that, and it's always a, a cream sherry, a really sweet sherry served warm, you know, and, and it's that is not what sherry is. Now I think people have misunderstood what what it is because for whatever reason we've lost that you know we've lost as a as a as a country we've been drinking different things and we've forgotten what 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 good sherry is and actually. You know, it goes, you know, the manzanilla we have is bone dry. There's not a, you know, it's it's so pure and, and, and crisp and clean as, a, as, a, as an aperitif. It's just outstanding. And I think if you give that to someone, they'll they'll imagine it more as a full-bodied, you know, white wine than, than as a, you know, and, and then you go, you, you're saying, put the Bristol cream down and concentrate on what actually sherry could, could be. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, also, it's intriguing for a lot of people now to be able to taste those wines and think about how those flavors are going to enhance our whiskey as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's, and, and I think it, it almost helps sort of piece together a whiskey as well when you're able to taste the wines and, and understand what that cask is going to do. Um, and yeah, then we did the same with a port. We found an incredible port producer who was mm. selling all of her production to a larger blender. And we're, we're now bottling her a six to eight year old tawny port which is just exquisite won a gold medal from from decanter quite recently it's an incredible wine um one of my favorite things now is you know we began to focus on where we would get our ex-bourbon casks from and i mentioned you know years and years ago paddy and i when we were first getting into whiskey going out to new york to visit uh king's county distillery well now we've just in fact literally mm. received our invoice for their barrels so we're going to be yeah. working with uh king's county ex-bourbon uh, uh, casks as well to, to, to mature. Uh, well, look, that, that's so interesting. And, and you touched on Lowland, and I did a tasting recently, actually, with Little Mill in, in, in Rosebank just over in, over in the Netherlands a couple of weeks ago, and it was brilliant. And, and it really kind of it, it reminded me when I started in the industry with Diageo a few years ago, well, 2005 or something, there, there weren't that many Lowland distilleries in operation. Um, I think there was three. Um, uh, I don't even think Bladnock was producing at that time. Uh, I mm. think it had been closed again. So it was probably just Glen Kinchy, Ockentoshan, and Daft Mill was just about to fire up, I think. So, you know, fast forward to where we are today and actually looking forward to 2023 when you guys are, are producing spirit, there's going to be almost sort of 22 or 23 Lowland distilleries producing single malt, which is so exciting. And actually, as, as what was historically maybe the the less attractive region, uh, you know, if, if you were to look at the whiskey regions, now it seems to be where all the action is. It's so exciting mm -hmm. to hear what's going on in the lowlands. And you'll belong to that region, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whether whether or not you you value the, 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 the name of lowlands much, I don't know. I mean, you can answer that, but I, I think it's super cool. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's interesting regionality in whiskey, and of course, it's been disregarded by many and become quite a confusing element. But I must say, I like it. I, and I... But regionality in wine is so key. You know, I know if I'm drinking a wine from the Loire, pretty much what grape's going to be in there. And I have an understanding of what kind of wine I'm going to buy. And I think it's 
it's a very useful way for 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 people coming to Scotch whisky to navigate it to some extent. Um, and but I think it you know it's fair that it's, it's something that hasn't stood still. And 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 um, you know that there are anomalies within within every region. You know there there are people making peated whisky you know all over the place now, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not something that you just associate with the Highlands or, or either. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think there is a characteristic, you know, developing in lowland. I mean, you know, people speak of, you know, the more delicate floral style of lowland whiskey. But I think actually, as, as you, you know, have identified, there's so many new whiskey distilleries uh, in this region that I think it's almost becoming the region of 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 innovation, of experimentation, of, of yeah. you know, dynamism and and. You know, I, I think other areas, the further north you go, the more steeped in tradition, you know, um, and, and, um, and history you, you find. But the lowland is, is the sort of the, the new kid on the block, I guess, uh, in, in that character. And there's, as you say, a lot of very exciting distilleries um, making very cool spirits down here. So, yeah. You know. and, and I think, you know, one thing that we get asked a lot is this question of, you know, oh, hang on. All I'm seeing right now is new distilleries popping up all over the place. You know, the, the boat sailed here. And I kind of I look at the the, the demand for, for, for Scotch specifically globally and, and how that's growing, how you know how the spirits category in general has grown versus wine and beer, uh, and, and how cocktails are taken off. And you know, there's so much more room to grow here. And at the same time, you see that we're all tiny, you know, we're 400,000 LPA, you know, and, and then you see a, you know one of the one of the, the the giants of the industry adding. You know, they, they can add 10 million LPA, you know, within two years and they're pumping out exactly the same spirit and doing the same thing. The demand is there. You know, these guys at the Agio Plenary Card, they're much smarter than us. They know where the demand's coming from. They know their numbers. And if they're pouring money into expanding their brands and their, their existing brands, then that's screaming out to the rest of us that, look, there's a lot of room here. And 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 crucially, you know, again, if you look at the, the, the supermarket wine aisle, you see the number of brands out there. In, for wine and then you look at spirits and it's the same 30 different distilleries you're seeing in every supermarket over and over and over again like there was room in this market for more players you know mm. we're not scared at all of new entrants well actually we think it's great because i think if anything the scotch whiskey category desperately needs that kind of spark of ingenuity and innovation from, from new people that you get from different brands around you know, even if it's just packaging or different ways of selling or but also around different different flavors and different ways of producing the spirit, you know, within the rules, crucially. But yeah, uh, but a new, you know, a new bit of innovation is, is why people globally will hopefully continue to see single malt Scotch whiskey as the kind of global premium category above all others, and that's what we're trying to maintain. Yeah, but you need creativity, and creativity comes, you know, through people like yourselves. I've always found, you know, founders with an idea genuine passion you know a thirst for knowledge and curiosity and we've talked a lot about the technical stuff about your fermentation and your yeast but i'm really i have to say i'm massively excited about what your brand becomes because uh, i love the artwork uh, that you guys have of your distillery um which is so lovely it's exactly the kind of thing people will have up in their homes um, <laughs> now i don't think there's a lot of distilleries that could say that that could you know hang branded artwork in their homes and and, yeah. and actually looking brilliant and I, and I think what you've created there is great and obviously you've got linden lime as well which is um a beautiful beautiful product as well isn't it right so i, I think it's, this goes back to something we we're talking about at the very beginning when you're looking at what the industry has traded off over the last you know 200 years which is tradition and heritage and legacy and, and maturity and and that's worked fantastically for it and you know we, we never want to say that's a bad thing but coming in new 
means that we can do things. You know, we don't have any history, we don't have any legacy. You know, so therefore we don't have that burden, and we can embrace being new as a as a good thing. And so we can have fun with our artwork and, and with our branding and our logos and so on, and say this is a brand new distillery. It's it's not got a pagoda. It's not a a, a whitewashed stone wall. It's a rectangular box with a big ass window and an amazing outlook in a really cool part of, of Edinburgh. That's just, you know, we, you couldn't do that if you, if you're, you know, a different distillery. Yeah. And as a result, we get, we get access to all that cool new stuff that no one else can do, which yeah. is really fun. It's, it's, it's really why running a business like this is such incredibly good fun because you get to be creative in so many different ways. You know, I mean, we're, we're here because of the product and the creativity with, with, with Scotch whiskey, but it just never stops, you know? Uh, and, um, I think one of our favorite things we ever did was hire our, our in-house graphic designer, Tyrone, who, you know, you have those ideas and he can just realize them. Mm, um, yeah. And and we even say, you know, Tyrone, when you're bored, just design us a poster because we like those too. Um, and, Ty Tyrone's and yeah. clearly one of those annoyingly talented people, right? Is yeah. it? <laughs> you say stuff and he comes back and you're like, can I do that? It's just another yeah. reminder that yeah, yeah. great things look, look like that. Yeah. And, you, and you hope that he's actually not cool and he's like a bit geeky, but then it turns out he's just really cool and really yeah. nice and really fun. But you know, he's yeah. just the worst human. When you're sort of a, a fairly average, not particularly creatively talented person, but you've got an idea, suddenly like someone like Paddy and I can have ideas and then have this professional guy like realize them. Yeah, exactly. that's really good yeah, fun. That's you're like, that's what I meant. Yes, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, it's brilliant. And guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Really cool to hear more about what you guys have got going on down at Port Elite. And yeah, it's going to be an amazing five or six months. And once once you're up and running, uh, we must get you back on and, and hear how it's going. And ho hopefully you're still friends. That'd be good. Yeah, guys, I think the, ne the next time we do this, we'll do it from the bar at the top. With, and you can just sit there and watch all the ships coming out. Yeah, yeah. Watch them unload grain and, and unload. I'll just it on grain. Yeah. Download gravel. Yeah, of course, I'm on no gravel on the Yeah, I'm sure Mitch will join us as well if you know he's not too busy floating around space side. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> space side old fashioned man. You gotta be in the leaf. That's where it's at. Yeah, there exactly. Yeah. He actually lives in Aberdour, so he could probably see the distillery mm -hmm. from his house. <laughs> Get the telescope out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, uh flying into Edinburgh, you you go through the Firth of Fort, so you can you see it very clearly from the airplane now. And it's yeah. basically a thing. All of our friends, whenever they're kind of coming into Edinburgh, they go, Look, I can see your distillery. It's like, Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. that's the tenth one of those we've received today. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the only black building, everything around else around it is great yeah. so you really yeah, stand nicely yeah. against their backdrop Brilliant. And then, and then for people who want to follow the story um how do they follow port leaf on social website stuff like that yeah we're generally at leaf distillery on instagram facebook uh twitter um definitely sign up to our mailing list because that's where you, you get the the, the real nitty-gritty um, mailing list is the best place to be because yeah. that's the, the super advanced preview information yeah um, and crucially you know in the future the, the 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 distribution mechanism for a lot of the whiskey will be via the mailing list so ideally the, the best place to be is on them but well, we would say yeah. right now we, we have launched our sort of it's kind of our version of the founders club the quality control division where um it, it's 500 pounds but we're about to make it available with Klarna so you can pay in installments and you get to follow the the maturation of our new make uh, receiving samples each year as it matures um, and then we you get some single cask uh, bottles up after seven years. Um, but also as part of that, we'll be inviting you every year to come back to the distillery to taste what we've been making. Um, and you, you like 
if you want the full kind of take the journey with us, that's the way to get involved. Yeah. Um, and we, we like to think it's a, it's a pretty unique offering that that should be absolutely fascinating for any. Yeah. It, it's, it's the stuff that fascinates us and we've made it available mm. to everyone else. So um, Sounds like a good Christmas gift. It's a good time of year. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> My father, if, if he lives that long, you'll, you'll see it to seven years old, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right, guys. Look, great catch up and we'll see you soon, yeah? Thank good. you so much. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks so much.